And it's important because I don't think anybody, maybe there are a few exceptions, but I don't think anybody is just going to magically be able to just create all this great content. You know, like you've, there's no substitute for experience and for hard work. Podcast Junkies, episode 58. This is getting good, folks. Today's episode is with Jared Morris. Now, if you're new to the show, Podcast Junkies is the podcaster's voice. It's conversations in a casual setting with the people behind some of the most popular shows in iTunes. And folks that I've admired and that I'm dying to talk to and that I get the opportunity to talk to and to share those conversations with you so that you get a little bit more information and insights into their minds, into their way of thinking, into how they approach their shows. And I think more importantly, um, a little bit about their personalities and hopefully something comes through that you may not necessarily hear on their own shows. I try to get out from them or get from them a bit more insight into what makes them tick. And I find that it, it becomes easier with each new episode that I do. And it's something that really excites me. And this episode is no different. Jared is the host of the uh, copy, the copy blogger slash Rainmaker FM's uh, podcast. It's called The Showrunner. He's also the host of several other uh, podcasts, including um, Primility, Primer, which is an interesting podcast about the intersection of pride and humility. So make sure you check that out. Um, and he's also got a, a couple of other podcasts related to the Indiana Sports um, podcast on the brink and uh, Assembly Call. So check those out. And more importantly, uh, listen to all the fabulous nuggets of wisdom that Jared imparts. He, you can tell that he, he's got a lot of experience doing this. And um, I'm, I really enjoyed the conversation. I think there was just so much that, that you can take away from this, whether you're ex existing already with your podcast or you're just getting started and you need a reason as to why to get started or you think um, it might not be the right time or you think it's too late. We address all those in our conversation and we really have a fantastic time doing it. In case you missed last week's episode, we spoke to The Real Brian from ProfitCast and also uh, the AudibleBooks.com podcast. Brian is another bundle of energy and just had a lot, a lot of uh, fantastic insights um, that have come as a result of his journey uh, podcasting. So check that out. That was episode 57. So for now, uh, sit back and uh, enjoy my conversation with Jared Morris. So Jared Morris... Thank you for joining us on Podcast Junkies. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I am as well. And uh, I'm glad we finally got to chat for a little bit at Podcast Movements. Mm -hmm. And uh, that it was an amazing collection of podcasters all in one place for two to three days. Just it's it's awesome because you're you're with your tribe and you can actually talk about things like download numbers and microphones and <laughs> without yes. feeling like a total nerd. So exactly an interview strategy and everything else. And I think what I love about an event like that so much is when you get a room full of podcasters. Most of us started podcasts because we're passionate about a topic, and so all of the conversations that you're having, you're having these 
these conversations with people who are really passionate about the topic they have. And now they're passionate about their podcast because it's helping them reach an audience about that topic. And so there was just maybe more than almost any conference I've been to more enthusiasm in the one-on-one conversations than I can remember. And I love it because that's, that's the fun stuff. I mean, I may not even be interested in what your topic is, but I love talking with you about your podcast and how you get it out to your audience. And it's just lots of enthusiasm, which made for a wonderful two days. So I really enjoyed your talk. Um, you gave a, a talk at the, um, at the actual conference. And um, there was a, a lot of things that resonated with me. And, and I think it was um, something you had covered in, was it, was it in the, the lead or the showrunner where you mentioned some of the points uh, on some of the topics you had covered during that talk? Um, we, I mean, we, all of those, everything that I talked about in that presentation, we've covered on the showrunner because yeah. it's, you know, really that's kind of the core of, uh, of what we're trying to teach people. And the big idea we're trying to get across with the showrunner is this idea of, you know, viewing what you're doing with your podcast as more than just creating audio episodes, you know, really creating an experience and taking an audience on a journey. And that's, that's the big idea. Uh, it was the big idea that I hope I got across in that presentation is what does it take to create something remarkable for an audience? And and I think the basic pillars there are not that much different than what it is on a blog and even what it is on a TV show or what it is for a live event. You know, those elements of authenticity and usefulness, sustainability and profitability. But, you know, really trying to bring them into a, the context of podcasting and give people some real kind of hard parts to grasp onto that hopefully they could take and then add to their shows. You know what I find so interesting is... You um, and and Johnny are w- with with the podcast are one of the few folks I see constantly referring to the fact that you see this as this position as being a showrunner. And mm-hmm. I, obviously, being a podcast junkie, I listen to so many um, podcasts, and I don't see a lot of people taking that approach. And I wonder if it's something or if it's an influence that you have, uh, maybe from because I think it comes from the TV industry, correct? Mm-hmm. And so it, that's where, yeah, that's where the term originally yeah. came from. The, this idea of a showrunner, you know, the first time I heard it was with Vince Gilligan and Breaking Bad because I was a huge Breaking Bad fan, you know, so much that I got into listening to the podcasts and, and, you know, just the whole thing, really getting into it for how they created each episode and the craft that went into it. And so that's where I first heard the term showrunner. I think a lot of people first heard it from Lost with Damon Lindelhoff and J.J. Abrams, you know, and, and, because for a long time, you know, you didn't really know who was behind TV shows as much, you know, and now there's so much more interaction with the people who are creating the shows and, you know, you're kind of getting to find out what they're thinking and see a little bit of their process. And I think a lot of times, and, and, and really, I know this is how I viewed it. You know, it's like, okay, I'm doing a podcast. There's a specific audience that listens to podcasts and a certain amount of time that they have every day to listen to their podcast. And I'm trying to get that amount of time. But I think really, as we continue to evolve, all of the different entertainment options are just kind of morphing together. Like it's like, you know, we all have a finite amount of time every day that we can consume something, you know. And so I I think it's smart in a big picture way as we think about reaching an audience to not just think about we're trying to get just the portion of time they listen to podcasts. Like we're just trying to get in there and compete with, you know, okay, am I going to... Am I going to read a book? Am I going to watch a TV show? Or am I going to you know, listen to a podcast? You know, and I think all of that, either audio or visual entertainment, they're all shows. You know? And there's an expectation there with an audience and a journey you can take them on. And so I think just 
for us, that big idea of thinking about it in terms of a show and you individually thinking of yourself as a showrunner as opposed to just a podcaster is kind of this bigger idea that we think will really serve people well in the future and, and really growing it big and making it something you know, that is either a business on its own or something that really contributes to someone's business. And so, and it's something that seems to have really resonated. Uh, and I think for us, you know, in terms of, there's obviously a lot of great podcasts about podcasting out there. And, and so many of them are, are so well done. And, you know, there are, you know, some great ones too, that deal with the technical side and with that part of it. And that's not our area of expertise anyway. And so we knew we wanted to differentiate from those. And I think for us, what most people who really love the show have told us that they love is, you know, combining some real strategic thinking, you know, in terms of how a podcast fits into a bigger overall business goal, but then just the mentality, the mindset, the motivation, the inspiration, the enthusiasm. Because one thing we all know as podcasters, we all deal with is, you know, struggling, whether it's episode seven or 25, or we get a little bit further into it, struggling for that next episode or hitting that rut. And what do we do? And we really want to help try and push people past that. Because, you know, when you talk to people, when they get past that, usually something great happens. But we know there's just this, the web is just this graveyard of shows that have been abandoned. And there have been this great audience right around the corner for that person. And so we want to try and be hopefully the source of inspiration that gets you over that hump so you can see what's around the corner and see if it's as promising as hopefully you think it is. So that's our big idea behind the showrunner. And I think it's important, the concept that you're alluding to of, of being in it for the long haul mm-hmm. because uh, people are so short-sighted. And I think now with a lot of folks, and you may have seen this as you were starting in terms of what was uh, inspiring you in terms of courses, because I know you guys have a course as well. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people probably have some sort of get rich quick mentality or, or get famous quick or whatever it is they're looking for. I have a, I have this feeling that this is going to shake itself out in the next six to 12 months with people who are just jumping on the quote unquote podca- podcasting bandwagon, as opposed to those who really appreciate the craft of putting a quality show together and delivering something of value to their audience. Oh yeah. I mean, it's no different than blogging. It's no different than anything else online. And there's going to be uh, and there are, there are a whole lot of people who are rushing to get in it, get something out really quickly. And I think that's great <laughs> because those people are coming in, but they won't last. And the shows that last, I mean, you can build attention quickly, but you can't really build an audience quickly. You know, you need, I think for a real audience relationship, you need trust. And trust is only built over time. And trust is built when an audience comes with an expectation of getting something useful and you deliver when they come with an expectation of you're going to show up when you say you do and you deliver and you do it over time and people come to count on you and they come to rely on you and they come to trust you. And, you know, you build that just that great relationship to where, you know, you'll, you'll say something on an episode and someone emails you this really personal story or tells you about how it impacted them because they feel comfortable telling you because they almost feel like you're a friend, even though you've never met, but it's had that kind of impact. And I mean, yes, at some point, you know, we talk about profitability. We all have to get something out of the time we put into running our shows. And if we're putting enough time into it, that may need to be monetary to make it worth our time. And there is nothing wrong with that. And I think that's an element of creating a remarkable show because that helps you keep doing it for the long run. But I think the people who really end up creating the remarkable shows are in it as much for that or, or, or they're in it even more for that, for that connection that they create. 
And that just, that only happens over time. But when you, when you reach that kind of sweet spot where you've, you know, you've done it for a while, you've proven to yourself that you can do it. You've proven to an audience that you'll keep showing up and you've spent that time creating the connection. It really creates something wonderful. And I think that's, and there's something unique about it with a podcast because it's a voice and you know, you, every, everything you're feeling when you're behind the microphone is going to come out in your voice. Like there's, there's no way to mask it. You know, if you're scared, it can be heard in your voice. And if you're excited, it will be heard in your voice and your audience gets to know you and they'll say, Hey, you didn't ha quite have the same energy that episode. Like you, okay. <laughs> you know, and, and that's a great thing. It's a really great thing. And so I think that rawness of it, just, it, it makes it, gives you such a unique ability to create a connection with an audience, but it's only going to happen in a way that really matters over the long term. And I think that that aspect of it is so important. I think a lot of podcasters shy away from it, this concept of being raw or being real because they feel like they're being too vulnerable. And I think mm -hmm. it's something that I, it seems, it sounds like you encourage it with your students. And, and I, when I talk to fellow podcasters and new podcasters, I encourage them to try to be themselves uh, as much as possible because I, I think that's, I've, I've found that that's what the audience resonates with and you're actually going to rub some people the wrong way and, and they're not going to be your audience. And so you want those people probably as far away from you as, as quick as possible. But the people that do are the ones who are going to be your, your true fans. That's a great point. I mean, I think repelling the people who are not your audience is almost as important as attracting the people who are. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, because what you're alluding to is this element of authenticity. And I think vulnerability is part of that. I think you've got to be vulnerable with the audience, but, you know, you've got to do it in the right way. Because I do think there's a difference between authenticity and transparency. And it sometimes gets people into trouble because, you know, whatever, whatever your show is about, you're reaching an audience that they're coming to your show with some kind of expectation, whether it's to be entertained, to be educated, to be inspired, whatever it is. And ostensibly, it's about some kind of topic. And so the, the areas that you're vulnerable, I do think you want to be strategic about those. Like, for instance, on this show right now, it would do me no good to come on here and say, like, you know, I've been struggling with my weight. And here are things like, who cares? Like, that doesn't matter. But if I come on here and talk about how, you know, just earlier today, we were, we were getting ready to record an episode of The Showrunner, and it was about a half hour before and I did not feel like doing it. Like, frankly, I just, it's, a, it's episode 28. I had a lot of stuff going on. I didn't have a great idea for what the topic was going to be about. And a part of me wanted to email John and be like, hey, can we push the recording back? Just because I, you know, and then all these, you know, different excuses are coming into my head. And it's just, it's one of those moments where you get overwhelmed because you know you've got to record and, you know, and I didn't know what to say. And so, you know, we end up, we get on the phone, we talked it out, you know, about, you know, what topic and we end up finding out this great topic. And I think we created a great episode, you know, and sometimes it just takes having that commitment to the weekly episode so that you can't, <laughs> you don't have the excuse of saying, I don't want to do it. You have to, that helps. And even people, you know, I mean, I run five shows, I do shows all the time and I still fight that. That is a vulnerability. That's authenticity that matters because, you know, to this audience right here. And so I think it's important. What are we revealing? You know, because you can turn people off by wasting their time revealing parts about yourself that only matter to you. That's narcissism. That's not, that's not really authenticity. So it's important to understand what the audience needs and what part of your story and your journey can help them on theirs. And that sweet spot is, is where authenticity really happens. That's such a key point because so many podcasters struggle with 
um, continuing, and, and you alluded to pod fading and, and, the, and the magic seven episodes. And I think now the, new, the second phase is 25. I've heard that before, 23. Yeah. So that's like you, yeah. you have to hit the second stage in order to continue. And then probably 100 is the number after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's every podcaster's dream to just show up, record, and then just magically like walk away like I imagine Howard Stern does when he's done <laughs> and have yeah. the uh, production elves take over and the social media elves take over <laughs> yeah. and do all the heavy lifting for you. But Because this is really the fun part, right? Talking to people that we admire or that we respect and that we uh, we can talk shop for you know an hour is really the, the, the fun part. But I think motivating yeah. ourselves in almost the same way we do for something like the gym, I just picked up CrossFit again and just those first couple of sessions are just you're dying but <laughs> yeah. you know you have to you have to see the the, the long haul and 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 the uh, the road that leads that's going to lead to something yeah and it's i mean you know the thing is with with that i've found out with every show is when you reach that moment where you're not excited about recording the next episode. It doesn't mean you don't love your topic. It doesn't mean you're not cut out for podcasting. It doesn't mean that you're letting fear take you over. It doesn't mean you don't care about your audience. It doesn't matter about any of these things. It just means that you're a human podcaster. Like it happens all the time. And a lot of people I think get deterred by that and interpret it in a way that I don't think is fair to themselves or their ability to do this, you know? And that's why sometimes having some kind of built-in way to make sure that you can fight through that. You know, it's like people talk about with gyms, you know, if you pay to go to a gym, you're going to be much more likely to go, you know, because you kind of got something at stake. Or if you get a personal trainer, you know, the value of the personal trainer isn't as much what they're teaching you is just like the accountability to show up because you made an appointment. And, you know, and I think a lot of people, if they'll, you know, when they get to that really, you know, step back. Like I didn't, and I had to learn this the hard way because I used to interpret it this way too and think, well, I'm on the wrong track. I need to get a new topic. Like, boy, this was a disaster. No, it's not that. I love talking about podcasting. I love the showrunner audience. I love talking to Johnny. It's just for this hour window of time, for whatever reason, I wasn't quite feeling it, you know, and it happens. It's okay. And, you know, you'll get it back going. And part of that is just the experience of going through it a few times. And and so that's one thing that we really want to do. And I think, people who have run shows have a responsibility to do for people who were coming up new is share these experiences because so many of them are universal. I mean, we're all special and unique, you know, like snowflakes, like our mom told us, but you know, like really our, our experiences are pretty similar I found. And so I think sharing these just lets people know, Hey, you know what? Okay. I felt like that and he got through it and okay, that's part of the, that's part of the deal. And there's still people out there who have 400 episodes and, you know, going on and on. Okay, okay, I can do this. Get past it. And so that's that's a big message that we want to get across to people is just, you know, keep, I mean, if you really have to stop for whatever reason it is okay, like I realize that sometimes there are, but don't let it be something like that that makes you stop. Yeah, and I'm a big proponent of putting that self-imposed um rigidity of a schedule i recently committed on the air to mondays as releasing my episode <laughs> and i can't <laughs> tell you how much stress that incurs like when when it's the you know the week before and you don't have the episode ready and, and some days and you know sometimes you you get three in one week and you're like yes i'm set but it's amazing how quickly those three get spent <laughs> and then, yes and then you're back like okay i, I don't have uh, anything lined up and it's a, it's a it's positive pressure i guess right it's really good because it pushes you to sort of be creative and it 
I think it gets the, the, the mind working in a way that's beneficial to you and your show. It is. And I think a lot of times we surprise ourselves. And I mean, I had a, an example of this recently. So I've had this site, Primility, and I've always wanted to do a podcast with it. And I've just, I've always been kind of afraid. I've never quite known what direction to go. Should it be an interview show? Should it be this, that, or the other? Total paralysis by analysis. And I finally, one day I was like, I just had this thought. I was like, what if I just did a daily show? What if every morning I got up and just did a daily show at like 6.30, I'll just flip on the microphone, I'll say whatever comes into my head, and that'll be a show. And I've learned through <laughs> difficult practice that I shouldn't just jump into it and do it because a lot of times my enthusiasm gets the best of me. So I waited a couple of days. I didn't tell anybody about it yet. I wanted to make sure I could do it, but I got up one day and did it. And in addition to just doing the podcast part, I scheduled it as a Google Hangout because I realized that when I have a live broadcast to show up for, I'm there, I'm ready, I'm prepared because once the green light goes on, you got to go and it's live. You can't get out of it. And I figured, let me channel that and see what can happen with it. And so just started doing it. And you know, by far, the episodes haven't been perfect and they've been difficult. And it's actually required more preparation than I thought. Like the dream of just, yeah, I'll just flip on the mic and I'll know exactly what to say. You know, it's taken more preparation and all that. But, you know, I started on July 14th. And I think as of us doing this episode, I just did episode 56 this morning. I haven't missed a weekday. I overslept one day and had to do the episode later that day. But having, and, and there have been a lot of days where I was, didn't know what to say like 10 minutes beforehand. And I'm like, and normally I would have just said, I'm not doing this. But, you know, having it live, knowing that people can watch that live at 630. And if I'm not there, I'm breaking a promise. And having the street going, not wanting to break that, like all of those things, it's funny. They kind of push you. And as it gets closer and closer to the light coming on, the mind is like, you got to say something. <laughs> you better come up with something, you know? So, and now I've gotten better at keeping notes in Evernote. So I have this, you know, I have a file of stuff I can go to. And it's really pushed me as a content creator to new, to, to new heights, I guess you could say, just in terms of keeping that commitment, you know, and, and making sure that I'm always on the lookout for new content because I need something for tomorrow and then I need something for the next day. And it's really, really helped. And I think, putting that constraint in that I have to do it and announcing it and putting it out there, you know, granted, I think I'm more prepared to do it now because I've run a lot of shows and have had more experience. And this is an idea that I've been thinking about for a long time. So that helps, but yeah, putting it out there and giving yourself some kind of schedule where there's going to be a consequence if you don't meet it. Sometimes that helps you get through the times when you don't want to be there. Because there have been times when I haven't wanted to be there talking, but I'll be damned now if I'm going to break the streak, you know, and if I'm going to break that promise to the audience. So it, it's really helped. And it's something, you know, for people who may find that they struggle with that, that can really help you get over the hump. And then you're really grateful after the fact that you did it. So the podcast is called uh, Primality Primer. Yes. And, mm -hmm. um, Primality is a word that actually you created in 2005. Is that right? I did. Yeah, I did. I merged pride and humility together to create that one. I've always, for some reason, I've always liked creating words and like putting two words together. So I got a whole list of them, but that's the one that has always, I guess, resonated the most. So what was happening in 2005 that was the impetus for you to, to feel that this is a topic that was important for you? 
It's a great question. I was actually, at the time, I was in Miami, Florida. I had moved there after I graduated college. And when I originally moved to Miami, I was teaching. And I left the job as a teacher and had been in a bit of a transition phase. And so I responded to this random ad looking for a sales position on monster.com. And it turned out that it was this crazy company that was selling uh, coupon books like door to door and in businesses, you know, kind of like a multi-level marketing type thing. And not at all what I was expecting. And yet I kind of got into it. I didn't have anything better to do at the time. And so I got into this thing and actually found that I really liked it. Like for a short term, it was great. And I probably learned more from this job than I've learned in a lot of other jobs, just about the importance of attitude and sales and, and a lot of different things. But, you know, I, and I dove into it a hundred percent to where I was working seven days a week, like literally from seven to like 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night going crazy. And I kind of realized that, you know, something I've always struggled with is balance. Like I go a hundred miles an hour in one direction, but kind of everything else kind of falters. And then I end up finding that I need to, you know, switch back in the other direction, whether it's, you know, work or working out or whatever it is. And I realized that like, that's great and all when you're young, but if I ever wanted to actually like have a family, build a stable life, you know, really become what I wanted to become, I needed to get better at balance. And, you know, to me, you know, I've always kind of thought about things in terms of pride and humility. And I, I just, I kind of looked at it and I realized if I could balance those two, you know, because pride would get me in trouble a lot of times where I'd think I had all the answers and could just go, go, go. And, you know, didn't have the humility to take a step back and realize that, you know, I'm not Superman and there are other people who, you know, know more than me and I should stop and ask them questions and stop and learn. And, and all these areas, I just started to see that this kind of combination, if I could learn how to balance these two things, it would really set me up. And I'd, I'd get to places that I wanted to go and I would stop having these regrets of, being out of balance. And so, and one of the things they do at the, at this company is they want you to think like a business owner because the whole idea is you're going to eventually get your team and move to the new office and do all of this stuff. And so they want you to create a business name. And so that was, that was my name. It was primality marketing. That's, that's what I was going to be. And, uh, you know, so then, so it kind of became this thing, but then when I left that company, you know, shortly thereafter, actually, um, that stuck with me. And it's just, it's always been kind of this guiding principle that I kind of feel like whenever I feel a little bit off, I try to step back and say, okay, which am I, you know, is it, am I kind of being too prideful? Am I being too humble? Cause you can be too humble too. You can sit on the sidelines instead of thinking, Hey, I've, you know, you know, I need to get out there and, and kind of having that self-awareness and then trying to make my next action. One that pulls me closer into balance has just always been, really, really helpful and beneficial. And I've seen lots of good results from it. Yeah. One of the early episodes you mentioned, um, this fake humbleness, these, these, um, I think it was the SPs or something where the athletes come up and I'm so, hum yeah. so, I'm so, I'm so humbled to receive this trophy. Or something. Yeah. Are you really? So receiving our trophy humbled you, huh? Like, <laughs> and I get what people are trying to say, you know, cause they don't want to be like, yeah, I'm the best. Yeah, yeah. You know, they want to, they want to seem humble, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's funny cause you hear that a lot, but it's, it is definitely, I think a misuse of the term for what people are actually trying to, to get across. But it's something you don't think about until, you know, when you mentioned it, it's funny. It, people say, you just take it for granted when people say, I'm so humble you hear at the Oscars, you know, whatever the Emmys, any award show, you know, Thank God I'm so humbled that you guys thought of me. But when you think yeah. about it, it's it's really, it's not authentic. 
you know? No, it's not. I mean, you know, say, man, I am really proud to have won this award. Thank you. Like this award means a lot. And I mean, and I'm humbled to be in the presence of so many great people, you know, cause that's, that is a, that's a humbling experience, but winning the award isn't humbling. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a proud moment unless it's, you know, like worst podcaster, that would be humbling. <laughs> I don't want to win that award. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's, uh, I wonder if there's a uh, rotten tomatoes for podcasting or ra- was it Razzies or something? Yeah. Like the that? Razzies. Yeah. For the worst that, that would be humbling. <laughs> yeah, someone's probably going to come up with that pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, was, did you always have an interest in wordplay? Yeah, always. That was always, I, I just always have. I mean, I, I remember, you know, back in high school, like I love, we had, there was a, an etymology elective that we could take. And I love that. I've just, I've always loved words. For some reason, I've loved combining words. I used to, one of my friends will always, you know, kind of send me like these old emails I used to send her in college. And they would always have these made up words like wonderific and all these. And they're just, come up with them. And it's just always, words have just always been really fun for me. I enjoy them. So the, those, those, those come in handy when you must be looking for unique domain names as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> that was the nice thing about Primility. When I went to type it in, I was not surprised that no one had that domain. <laughs> so. I recently interviewed uh, Helen Zaltzman of The Illusionist. I don't know if you've listened to that podcast. Mm-hmm. She's, um, I think she's, she's got a comedy show that she's had for years and she's from the UK, but she studies like the origins of of words um and how they're used in in society and it's called the illusionist a-l-l-u-s-i-o-n-i-s-t ah very nice yes and so it's and she's got a wicked sense of humor so it's it's really fun to listen to and the episodes are only like 15 like 20 minutes or something like that so yeah she's part of um roman mars's radiotopia oh she is okay yeah yeah, she's who was incredible at podcast (laughs) movement yeah it was so funny that the I went last year and it was heavy on the um, entrepreneurial. And so, mm-hmm. and so a lot of people were complaining about that. And then this year they really 10 x it. And I think they knocked it out of the park because there was everything there. There was storytelling and then there was uh, all sorts of, you know, obviously a little bit of the, the entrepreneurial stuff, but just, you know, the fact that you had Sarah Koenig and Roman Mars and Leah Tao and just so many. And I think even fans showed up this time. It's typically what you don't see at a conference like that. Yeah. No, I thought it was great because, you know, again, I mean, the business stuff is important because I think that's a big part of the profitability aspect of it. But, you know, when you look at it, you know, in terms of how do you create an authentic connection, how do you really create useful content for your audience? Being able to tell a compelling audio story is so important. And that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, describe technical stuff like like when we're doing the showrunner we're trying to give people you know kind of nuts and bolts stuff they can use the next time they're recording their podcast but there's a way to do that and kind of tell a story about it and make it compelling and i thought that's you know that was really what i took away from podcast women is just that holistic approach to what makes a good show you know what what is it and i mean there were so many people there i mean all the names you mentioned that are so successful at this and just being able to get little pieces of their brain and what makes them tick and what makes their shows tick was invaluable. I ran into him at the elevator once he was done. It was just coincidence. <laughs> and he was in the elevator bank and then he it opened and he got in. And then I think everyone else was waiting for another elevator. So I jumped in and I'm in the elevator with him and I'm, I'm like, what can I say? What can I say? What can I say? <laughs> and I say, like, I'm going to interview Helen Zaltzman. He's like, oh yeah, she's she's, she's wonderful. She's a, yeah. yeah, she's really really a, a treasure. And then um and then I said because uh, I'm trying to get uh, Hrishikesh her way from Song Exploder on mm-hmm. as well. 
And uh, he said, oh, yeah, that's good. And I said, yeah, I'm working my way up to you. And he's like, oh, yeah, any, <laughs> anytime, anytime. I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to hold off till I'm actually ready to, to line up that interview. But that's Oh, man, yeah. that'd be great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the beauty of having a show that speaks to podcasters is I'll never run, run out of people to talk to. So That is true. <laughs> that is true. And people who like coming on and talking. <laughs> yeah. And they always have good mics. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I've been getting caught up on Primality and... Um, oh, thank you. I'm, I think I'm about 12, episode 12 or something like that. I think Be The Change is, is the one I'm at now. So Oh, yeah. And they're, and they're easily consumable. I can, so I can sort of blast through, you know, five to ten in one shot and just get like a, a daily dose. I'm wondering if for you that's the equivalent of the writing the thousand words a day? Yeah, it is in a lot of ways. I mean, there's something that... The other reason I started that show, too, is I, you know, I work from home. And, and I think a lot of people who end up podcasting, you know, they, they, they may, may work from home. And for some reason, I just got fed up with, you know, it's kind of the dream, right, to roll out of bed, work in your pajamas. You know, it's five o'clock and you're still in your pajamas and all that stuff. And that is great for a little while. But I kind of got sick of it a little bit. And I realized I kind of wanted a trigger for my morning. And that's the other thing is I knew if I had a live show that was on camera, I would actually shower and make myself presentable. And so, so it's actually like that was, it's one of the silly motivations that got me to start. It doesn't, that doesn't really motivate me to do it anymore, but it was kind of one of those early things. And I'm convincing myself, okay, so, so you really want to get up at five 30 in the morning, every morning and do this. Right. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. This is me, my little internal monologue, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, let's do this. We'll shower. It'll be great. Be all ready for the day. And, uh, and now, yes, it's become more of, you know, that practice of get up and create content, get up and really think, you know, because obviously there've always been kind of these core principles that I want to talk about and core stories and examples, but you run through those really quick when you're doing a daily show. So then it's about finding new ones and finding new stories and finding new ways to explain the same ideas and different ways to explain it, to make it resonate with different people. And that challenge it's really helping me develop the idea. And I don't know what I want to do with the idea in the future. I just know that by doing this every day, it will help me find it and get there. But it also just helps me in a general sense, really get better at breaking a topic down and figuring out angles to talk about and different episodes and different ways of structuring them and different ways of explaining points. And that helps not just with that show, but with all the, all the different shows and really everything that I do as a content creator. So yeah, that, that daily aspect of it is just, you know, doing that at the beginning of the day, it's kind of like, you know, working out or stretching, you know, for, for kind of those content creator muscles. And so it's really, really helped in that regard. There seems to be another theme with the, the class that you and, and Johnny run with showrunner and then the, the ideas that you wrap up within primality that you like and have had experience in teaching. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, I come from a family of teachers, actually. My dad, uh, what, he, he's a scout in the NFL right now, but he was a college football coach for a long time, which is essentially a teacher and actually taught right when he got out of college. And his dad was a teacher. And so I think, you know, on my dad's side, I come from just a lot of teachers. And, you know, I went to school for business uh, and, you know, had dreams in middle of college of moving to Hollywood and being a screenwriter and doing all those things. But when I finally graduated, the one thing I really wanted to do was teach. You know, I saw a call out for Teach for America and really wanted to do that. And, you know, so I think there's something about that I've always been drawn to. Um, and that's, I think that's why I get so excited about the showrunner, primality, everything is it's really, it, it is about teaching and it's about, 
you know, trying to take a topic and explain it in a way that's meaningful to somebody else and in a way that maybe didn't originally make sense to me, but makes sense to them. And so you're trying to bridge that gap. And I think that's, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I was probably destined to do something in teaching no matter what, because <laughs> I do. I really, I really, really love doing it. And then the other layer on top of that is the mentoring aspect and because, because you're, uh, you're involved with big brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big brother, big sister. And how, how has that um, influenced or enhanced your life participating with, with that organization? I think, you know, I, I think it is, the biggest thing is it's, it's kind of that constant reminder about the example that you're setting. Um, you know, because it's, you know, when you have someone who's, who's kind of looking at, at your example and you know that they're, and I don't have kids yet, you know, and I imagine this is kind of what it's like when you're a parent, but you know, when you have someone who's kind of looking at your example and looking at what you do to see what's right and wrong and to see how they should handle situations, you know, because I think you can, um, you know, say things and impart, you know, spoken wisdom and try and tell someone, uh, you know, lessons, but it's really more what you do and the example that you set. And I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing I've gotten from that is just that, you know, I mean, I, I wear, you know, my red wristband is kind of my reminder about primality, but really the biggest wristband or, or the biggest reminder is knowing the people who are looking at you and watching you. And it's okay. Maybe I would like to do this right now, but I can't, you know, that's just selfish me talking and, you know, I'm setting an example. There's people watching, let's, you know, do the right thing, you know, do this, that, or the other. So I think it's, it's really helped from that aspect. And hopefully my example, my influence has been a positive one too. What has the response been to uh, primality that the videos and the podcast? It's been really good. Really good. I think there aren't, there's very rarely anybody watching live, <laughs> which, you know, and I, I had no idea how that was going to go because I've, you know, I've done some other live shows. I really didn't know if this would catch on as like this live thing and all these people congregate at 630 central time to watch like every now and then I'll be, you know, cause I've got the Google hangout screen up as I'm talking and I'll see down at the bottom. It shows you how many live viewers and the zero will switch to one. And I'm like, Oh my God, someone's watching. This is great. You know? So that part of it, the live part of it has really been a lot more for me than the audience. Cause the audience doesn't seem to care that much, but the, the response to the episodes has been, it's, it, it's been incredible. It, it's, you know, because you get these emails from people and you know, like one lady emailed me a couple of weeks ago and she, you know, signed up and requested a wristband and sent me this long, this long note about how her husband had been laid off and they had just, you know, they just bought a house and they have a, a daughter coming husband had been laid off and he's been really kind of down in the dumps and depressed and not feeling well. And he'd listened to an episode of primality and talked to her about, you know, how much of a difference it made. And she's like, that's the first time I'd seen him really excited about something in a while. And it's like, you know, and, and she was asking me, you know, could you send a wristband? It's his birthday's coming up and I'd love to, you know, give him this for his birthday. And it's like, wow. That's and cool. what's really interesting about that is the day the episode, the day she sent me that was one of the days that I didn't want to do it. Like I kind of got up and I was like, man, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling like doing this and, you know, kind of came up with an idea right at the last second. And then that happens and you think, man, imagine if I hadn't done that episode, you know, and it's just like when you get to that point with an audience where the audience is giving you as much juice and enthusiasm as you're giving them. And it's a real like back and forth and you're feeding off of each other. That is the sweet spot. And I wasn't sure how it was going to go. Cause it's this 
you know, made up word and I've written blog posts about it, but never, and those have gotten a decent response, but I've never put it out there like this. And especially, you know, being a little bit in, you know, the episodes aren't perfect. They're not polished. I stumble around a little bit. Like just this morning I did one and I got off and I'm like, damn it, I meant to say this, you know, but they're not scripted and I don't really plan it that much. So that's going to happen. But just to see that getting on there and just, you know, kind of choosing a topic, talking about it for 10 minutes, being open, being honest about it, and then seeing that response, you know, like that one. And there have been others like that. It's, it's hard to put into words and, and I, you know, and, and people who have created content will understand it and who have had that happen will understand it, but it's hard to put into words how much it means because it, that's a, that's, a, it's not making any money. It's not a business. It's a true passion project. And to have that kind of response means the world. It really does. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's I, I did the thousand words a day for a while. It's been probably a couple of years. And, and when you have that sort of discipline and you wake up and you're like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to hammer through it. Um, I think it, it really changes things. And I think there's a certain number of days before a habit kicks in. Um, and, and I'm sure that's the case, even with, with the project that you're taking on. Mm-hmm. So I think it's something that I'm going to think about as well, because I, I've, I've wanted to get back into um, some sort of blogging or journaling. And I think mm-hmm. now that, you know, podcasters obviously like to talk <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and they find it easy to express their thoughts. And I think the fact that it's not scripted makes it easy so you can just have a stream of consciousness with some sort of organization, I imagine, that'll yeah. keep you focused. Yeah, I actually, you know, the original idea was get up, turn on the microphone, you know, obviously have something in mind and just talk about it. And I realized really, really quickly that giving myself about 15 minutes ahead of time to, because there would always be a blog post with it, but I would typically write the show notes afterwards. And I realized actually spending 15 minutes doing that first helped me feel more comfortable once the recording started because I could organize the thoughts and kind of almost do the first draft there written. And that's really helped to, to kind of get it out there. But the other thing is, too, of just doing it is I, I think I used to always, I would always want to have everything kind of plotted out beforehand, that insecurity of I don't want to look like an idiot. But I think what happens is sometimes when you have that insecurity and you're in the moment and you don't necessarily know what you're going to say next, sometimes you come up with the best stuff that you've ever come up with. <laughs> like I think that I, there's just like a part of our brain sometimes that unlocks when we're just like, I got to, co-. and granted, sometimes it doesn't come out that way. Like yeah. you can, you can stumble and fumble and it's not great, but I think you have to risk that and even allow that to happen to get to the really, really good stuff that sometimes just doesn't come out until you start talking and start having an open conversation, even if it's just with yourself, because it's a monologue show. Um, so I guess allowing, I think the only way that it's worked to the extent that it has is number one, freeing myself from expectations. Like I, I had to not care about downloads and numbers and any of that stuff. And I think having the, the, quote unquote, selfish reasons to do it, you know, that I explained earlier, you know, getting up in the morning and doing that really helped to free myself from some of the other expectations. Um, And then just understanding and admitting some of these episodes are not going to be good. It's okay. Like it's not, if you're, if you at least bring enthusiasm to it, it'll be okay. You know, you'll, (laughs) what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. But if you do it every day, you will have some that are really good and that speak to you and that speak to other people. And that's exactly what's happened. And I think people resonate with someone who's 
uh, not perfect, right? Because we're non- nobody's perfect. And, and it's like, and we t- I've had this discussion with my friends about Facebook posts, how they just literally put up, here's the most yeah. ideal moment of my day. And like, <laughs> yeah. no, why don't you put like, I just got a flat tire and I just like threw the crowbar across the highway and then post that. And just yeah. like, <laughs> or just, I just <laughs> ate an entire frozen pizza. I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I feel like crap today. Like, and, and yeah. this is, so that's why I've, I've been u- making, um, a lot of use of that, uh, the block button on Facebook because <laughs> where you block them, but you're still friends. So they don't know that you block them, but it's been, and we end up comparing ourselves <laughs> yeah, to totally. like just a, a, a constant stream of the best moment of everybody's day. And there's no other way. It's our human nature to say, man, I had this, this, and this, you know, happen today. And it's like, wait a minute, step back. You're right. You have to have that perspective. Well, if I just put the best thing that happened today, you know, my life would look pretty good too. You know, so that, that perspective is so important. And, and I do think as podcasters, we run into that because, you know, if you listen to, you know, This American Life and Planet Money and Radio Lab, you know, and you're just hearing these incredible shows that have all this production value behind them, you're like, holy crap, I can't do this. I can't podcast. And one thing we've tried to do with the showrunner is really take people behind the scenes, you know, leave the warts in, you know, you know, kind of walk people through when we stumble. And, you know, we had an interview once and, you know, we kind of had this awkward moment. We didn't know what to say. And it was like this weird moment in the interview. And we just left it in and then talked about it afterwards because I think it's important that people see that, you know, that people aren't perfect. And if someone is really, really good they've probably got 500 episodes in the archive of getting better and improving. And you're not going to do that on episode one. So just understand that, you know, and just get better for yourself. So, and that's, it's easier said than done. Cause we all want to, there's a vulnerability of putting your voice out there and putting yourself out there and you will be judged. I mean, if someone listens to your podcast, they're judging you like that's happening. Yeah. I- and if you can free yourself from, you know, fear of that judgment, you know, it'll really help you just, be yourself. And then of course, ironically, then get to the point where people are, you know, judging you better than they did at the beginning. I thought it was nice of Pat Flynn to play his very first podcast episode. Yes. At the conference. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. And everybody has that. And no, every, you know, yeah. I mean, it, you almost want to listen to everybody's first episode yeah. like that. It's a great, it's a great reminder that, Oh yeah, you know what? I'm okay. I'm going to be all right. <laughs> it's so crazy as podcasters, everything becomes a podcast uh, I- idea. And n- n- yeah. when you just mentioned that, I thought a podcast about episode one, you could call <laughs> that man, that would be just replaying the first episode just, of famous podcast. Yeah, or you That's just, a great or you just idea. Get people on and you have them play their, a snip, a couple of snippets from their first episode. And you're like, you know, and, and this is why, where you can go now. I, I oh, don't, man. I don't need that responsibility right now, but uh, I guess I'm, thro- it's I'm, great, I'm, it's, I'm, it's, I'm throwing it out there. It's such a great show idea, though. I love that. That's really good. <laughs> that would be interesting. Oh, well, let me see if we re- revisit that. But, I mean, yeah. speaking of finding the time, so you said five five podcasts, The Showrunner, mm-hmm. Assembly Call, Podcast on the Brink, Primility mm-hmm. Primer, and The Lead? Yep. Yeah, so the and the showrunner and the lead are both, you know, those are kind of, you know, for work, quote unquote, for uh, what I do for Rainmaker Digital. And the other ones are just side projects. Do the podcasts, because they're in a variety of different topics, and I'm wondering if you've been able, because of the nature of um, the, the topics that they cover, they're, they're so varied, to help round you out as a person because you feel like you're you're getting to um speak and and talk about topics that you value in in all these different shows 
Sometimes I view it that way. And then other times, like this morning, I have near panic attacks where I'm thinking, why am I doing all these shows on different topics? Like, imagine what I could do if I was, if it was just one topic all the time. The problem is, though, I would probably get bored with that. And so it's nice having these different ones. You know, what's interesting is that they end up all morphing together because I end up talking about them all on each show. And I think they inform each other because I would in no way be qualified to host the showrunner without the experiences of assembly called podcast on the brink and primality primer, because hosting the lead is not representative for everybody. That was the copy blogger podcast. That audience was built before I got there. It's just driving a car that's already moving. So I can't teach anybody about how to build an audience. But building something from scratch, from nothing, with the you know with the assembly call four years ago, and then going through every season at the end of the year because that's a post game show for IU basketball games, so it's very seasonal. So it's a really really intense for four months, and then not much for the rest of the year. You know, every single season at the end, being ready to quit, but then coming back and figuring that part of it out. You know, and so really going through that has allowed me to relate and have relatable experiences and. It's interesting because a couple of people that listened to the assembly call caught wind of the primility episodes and signed up and then tweeted it to their, you know, tweeted it out. And now all these people, I've seen all these subscriptions come in from Indiana, you know, and I'll email people, you know, Hey, how'd you hear about it? And they're like, yeah, you know, we so-and-so tweeted out and, you know, we're big IU basketball fans. We really like what you're doing over here. Cause and it's, it's interesting because I find a lot of times that, you know, examples from IU basketball are really great examples for primility. But then I'm like, well, people over here are primility. They don't care about Indiana basketball, so I can't really use them. And now the audiences are cross pollinating. <laughs> it's like, you know, worlds are colliding, but it's cool. You know, it's, it's really, it's interesting when people kind of follow you from one, you know, one show to the next, uh, because I think the topics that you talk about can be different, but your enthusiasm level that you bring to it. And some of the big ideas that you talk about are going to be similar. Um, is that, like a lot of what we talk about on the showrunner is frankly, and I mean, this even came up on an episode is, I mean, one of the keys to being a good showrunner is balancing your pride and your, and your humility. Like that is, that can help you, you know, as a podcaster as well. So a lot of it ends up, you know, again, you know, one comes up on the other and just the experiences obviously help. Cause every time you get, get behind the microphone, I think it was Roman Mars that said, like all of us have a hundred hours of awful audio in us and we just have to get it out. So, you know, anytime you get behind the microphone, I think you get a little better and a little more confident and a little more comfortable. And so it just it's like reps. It just helps. I think the other aspect it speaks to is the fact that if people like you in, in one show, there's an aspect that they're drawn to. That's your personality. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think it's not a um, a far cry to think that if they. They could. They would just naturally like you on another show because they like you. They like your personality. They like your delivery. They like yeah. you know your tone of voice. And so it's, it's you know when that no like and trust factor. And you know it's it's very easy to assume that. I mean, not easy to assume, but I think it's natural to think that they'll like you on on another show as well. I think it's a good sign that you're creating authentic connections with people, you know, and really being yourself. Because I think that's right. I mean, I think you will. You will get a lot of that unless you're, you know, kind of putting on a front on a show and are different on one show than the other. And then maybe that wouldn't happen. But I think I think if you are having that, it's a good sign that you're allowing your true self to come out. And that was not the case on shows I ran before, you know, like when we, you know, I was running a site called Midwest Sports Fans for a while. And that was when I first got into podcasting was doing shows over there. And they just, 
you know, they never really caught on and I didn't really know what I was doing. And I go back and listen to old episodes and it doesn't really sound like me, I don't think, you know, and, and, but again, just kind of doing all those reps, getting more comfortable being myself. Now it's just, you know, the topic changes, but you know, the, my level of comfort talking about it and hopefully how I am uh, speaking doesn't change. So you're, you're a showrunner for five different podcasts, which I'm sure is giving yes. new podcasters serious anxiety at this point <laughs> for those that are listening that haven't even started one. Um, something I hear from people that are thinking of starting is uh, this idea of it being too late to podcast. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are about that. Uh, I think the best time to start a podcast was what, 2005 or 2004. And the next best time is now. I mean, you know, it's, I guess it depends on what, what you mean by too late, you know, what people mean by too late. I, I get it. I mean, there's been kind of this big run and, you know, you were able, you know, maybe three or four years ago to be the only person in your space. Um, and, and perhaps that opportunity may have passed you by, but I think the loss of that opportunity opens up another opportunity, which is that now a lot of the guesswork is out for what works and what doesn't, you know, we have so many examples of what works and, if you're struggling to figure out what niche to fill in your own market, go look at other markets and see how people have filled really busy niches. And maybe you can take that and apply it to your own market. And you can also, instead of having to guess, what should I do? How, you know, what niche should I fill in this market? Now you've got them all and you can say, okay, there's this, there's this, there's a gap, there's this, boom, that gap, that's where I can fit in. And so I do think it, you know, it may make your initial ability to get a whole bunch of attention a little bit less, but I think it actually can increase your ability to get the small but meaningful attention early, which is what is going to help you grow more anyway. So it's just how you view it, um, because really that would be the only difference. I mean, otherwise, starting now is great because you have all these examples of people who have started and messed up and failed, and you can learn from their experience, and the technology part is easier, and I mean, you know, there's like, you know, these solutions like PodClear and Castery and all of these other ones that make, you know, interviewing people and recording a conversation so, so much simpler. And some of them aren't ready for prime time yet, but they will be in six months to a year. And you think back to how it was to record an interview four or five years ago. I mean, man, people starting now have such an advantage in that sense. So it's just how you look at it. Um, but I think if you've got something to say and, you know, you think there's an audience to serve get out there and start it because otherwise you're just, it's just paralysis by analysis, but you won't really know until you just get out there and do it. And so whether you started 10 years ago, whether you start now, the best time to start is right now. Get going. Yeah. And, and I don't think we can predict where it's going to go and how there's going to be new things to talk about, you know, and then mm -hmm. these new tools like blab are coming on and periscope yeah. and it's just, and people are, incorporating those into their podcast. And so you're seeing this mesh of new technologies and podcasting happening. And it's true. I mean, it's an exciting time. And I, I just got started in early 2014. So um, I, I mean, I, I, I think you can't be short sighted. And we can't even try to predict what's coming down the road sometimes because we're just surprised. No, you can't. And it's and that too can intimidate people because it's like, well, I'm going to learn this and in six months it's going to change. And there are always going to be these new tools coming out. What doesn't change though is the fundamentals of how you develop a relationship with an audience. And if you learn those and if you put out content regularly, 
then you can do that. And that's the goal. That's the whole idea behind creating a podcast is creating a different, a more personal connection with an audience. And if you have that desire to do it, there really aren't any excuses for putting a show out there and, and letting that process start to begin because it's once it starts happening, it's a wonderful thing. So um, shifting gears a little bit, you were with uh, Synthesis, which became part of Copyblogger Media. Mm-hmm. And so yes. I'm interested what how the view has been from you um, at Copyblogger as podcasting was picking up and the fact that Copyblogger itself was a blogging-centric platform. So I'm interested if you could speak a little bit about what the... Um, what the the view has been like from inside copy blogger as to what's happening with podcasting. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's been interesting because copy blogger has always been very text based, you know, because Brian and Sonia and our main content creators have always been readers and writers, you know, that's what they've loved to do. And certainly, you know, there have been, you know, audio lessons and teaching cells had audio lessons and that kind of thing. But, you know, there was internet marketing for smart people, uh, was, you know, an original podcast that they had started and it was on and off. And, you know, Brian and Robert had dabbled in it a little bit, but it wasn't a real consistent focus, a consistent push. And so, you know, I had hosted some shows, uh, like I was you know telling you on Midwest sports fans. And so, you know, we kind of got started talking about, you know, picking a podcast back up on copy blogger. And so I restarted the lead and, you know, eventually Damien Farnworth joined me and we did that together. And, you know, it was right about that time that we started looking at podcasting more seriously as a company. And so when it was time to launch the Rainmaker platform, which was basically the culmination of five years of work together between, you know, Brian and all the partners at Copyblogger, that was what was decided is we're going to launch this with a podcast. It's going to be totally different. It's going to be totally new. Some members of our audience aren't going to get it. Some members of our audience probably aren't going to like it, but this is the direction we're going in. I think you know, one of Brian's great skills has always been kind of being able to see the direction to go, you know, you know, be able to separate the signal from the noise. And I think he understood that, you know, every, the direction that audio was going in. And so, you know, we launched the new Rainmaker podcast and that's how the Rainmaker platform was launched. And then we had the idea, to, Hey, let's, let's double down on this. You know, we've got a lot of talented people inside the company who have a lot to say, Let's give everybody who wants a show a show. Let's start a network and let's let's lead the charge when it comes to you know digital marketing information online. Let's lead the charge and build up an audience with Rainmaker FM and then figure out what to do with the audience. You know, but use this as our main content marketing strategy for the platform. And because you know we realized a lot of our target customers were going to be podcast listeners, and I think it's it's worked better than we expected. And we continue to obviously focus more and more on audio, but it was just, you know, that's where everything was heading. And that's where a lot of audience members needed and wanted audio content from us. And this has now allowed us to take a lot of the ideas that we've written about and talked about over a copy blogger for many years and now put them into a new form for some of the same audience and to a brand new audience who's discovered us for the first time through podcasts. And can you explain a little bit about the rebranding that you've recently done? It's, well, it's now, or it's a, I don't know if it's an offshoot or, um, so just to explain rainmaker.fm. 
Yeah, well, there's so there's Rainmaker FM, and then Rainmaker Digital is now the overall company name. So it was originally Copy Blogger Media, and that encompassed you know Copy Blogger, Studio Press, Synthesis, and then the Rainmaker platform, Rainmaker FM, and so now that's Rainmaker Digital. And really, I think it was just we felt like we'd outgrown the name Copy Blogger because you know people ask you know who do you work for, you say Copy Blogger, you know it doesn't. That name still has big brand value, but it's not very descriptive of who we are as a company anymore. And so we certainly never want to abandon that name and that website and that blog will live on forever because it's just, I mean, it's, it was obviously so important for content marketing and teaching people content marketing and continues to be. But we, you know, Rainmaker Digital is more indicative of kind of the bigger broader focus that our company has and uh, you know <laughs> and you know plus just getting the term blog out of there you know i mean blog doesn't mean quite quite what it did once and so i think just really it's a way to to better describe who we are as a company and more than that where we're going and how what's the growth of the company look like it's you know it continues i mean we've we've grown in terms of numbers you know in terms of employees we continue to to hire some new incredible people um and you know we continue to to move into new projects um you know obviously rainmaker fm continues to hum along and we're working on a new project now uh which is really going to focus on teaching people how to execute digital commerce strategies um, you know, because obviously copy bloggers really great at teaching content marketing. And I think with the showrunner, really, we've wanted to, you know, we've used podcasting as a way to show people, you know, how do you use content to build an audience and create an experience? Because as we know now, you know, traditional marketing isn't quite as effective anymore. You've got to give people experiences. And so now you've created this experience. Okay, now how do you actually create a digital business around this? And that's what what this new project is really going to show people. You know, how do you how do you create paid courses and get people to sign up for them? You know, how do you you know, utilize sophisticated marketing automation to you know, inside of a paid member area that, you know, helps you sell eBooks and, you know, all the different, obviously, iterations that there are. Uh, that's really our next goal is kind of put it all together and really teach people and empower them to be successful, confident, strong digital business owners. Because it seems like that's the trend now for anyone that's looking to do um, a digital business like podcasting or or even speakers and authors, they, they need to have, they need to sort of be jacks, jacks of all trades, right? You have to know the digital marketing piece. You need to understand the concept of a funnel and lead mm -hmm. magnets and how to attract people on, on social media and then use their, that attention and, and, and direct their eyeballs to where you want them to go, calls to action. And mm -hmm. so there's a lot of moving parts. And I think people who are who have done this traditionally in the past and have just focused on their, their, their one skill set are, are probably being overwhelmed with all the things that they have to learn um, and, and be experts at if they're really going to succeed. Yeah. And, and you look at the people who are successful with this and they are, they are good at all of this. So they don't necessarily have to be good at executing because you can obviously hire and you can outsource people who have strengths that you don't. But I think you've really got to understand the bigger picture, the individual parts, and how all of those individual parts fit together to create that bigger picture. 
Yeah, it's an exciting time and probably o- overwhelming for some people. <laughs> but <laughs> yes. for those of us that are drawn to all the, the ways, uh, these tools, and I'm, and I'm a student of productivity as well, so anything where I find that makes my process, my production uh, easier, I, I try to implement that as quick as possible because I realize that that space that I just freed up is going to get filled up really, really <laughs> quick in nature of horrors of vacuum, right? So, yeah. So I think uh, anything we can do to work more efficiently is just going to help us in the long run. Yeah. You know, and the nice thing is too, it is, it's overwhelming, just like you said. But the great thing is to remember, it all starts with an audience. So if you don't know what to do, start building an audience. I mean, that's, you know, that's the great thing. And, and that's where, you know, podcasting is really an initial part of that step. You know, you don't have to wait for everything else to be perfect. You can start building an audience and you can have a hypothesis of where it may go, but chances are your hypothesis will be wrong. It'll go in a different direction and that's totally okay. But now you're letting your audience, which is, you know, if you have long-term thoughts of a digital business, they are your potential customers. You're letting them in on the conversation and letting them help you dictate where it goes just by their feedback and by their actions. And so instead of trying to figure it all out up here before you start, you don't have to have the perfect plan. You know, you've just got to have some enthusiasm to start getting an idea out there and building an audience around it. And a lot of the other stuff, you know, will start to be revealed and you can learn it as you go. But don't, I think the biggest mistake that people make is just not starting and feeling like they've got to do a hundred thousand things. No, you know, eventually you'll do a hundred thousand things over the course of time. But right now you just got to do one thing and just get out there and do it and build an audience, build a connection. And, you know, in a lot of ways that will help reveal a lot of these answers that we feel like we have to understand before we start. Yeah. I think, uh, people suffer from deer in the headlights (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, syndrome and, and they're just overwhelmed about, um, where to start and, and where to put their attention. And I think that's, I think that's some of the things you, you speak to you and Johnny speak to on showrunner and I'm sure it's a lot of things that you guys cover in the course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the thing you got to do is just start and remember that the first episode you record, you don't have to release it, (laughs) you know? And in fact, a lot of people, I mean, I've never done this and I really should. I'm not great at like recording and holding on to it. I always want to get it out there. You know, I was talking earlier with primarily primer, how I didn't, I didn't tell anybody I was doing it which was a big step for me. Like I published, you know, the first four or five episodes, you know, but I didn't tell anybody I was doing it, which is hard. But remember that you can do that, you know, and and Johnny always talks about with Hack the Entrepreneur, how he put, you know, he had like 10 episodes in the can before he ever launched. And you can do that. And, you know, that, I think that also is freeing that you can go in there and create some stuff and it never, if it's really, really bad to the point that you're embarrassed to let anybody hear it, great. Don't let them hear it. But you know what? You're now a better podcaster because you did that. And maybe now when you're ready for that next idea or that next show, you'll be a little bit further along. And that's, you know, so that's all okay. So with all the experience you have, have you, have you tallied up the sum total episode wise with across the five podcasts, how, <laughs> no. how, how much content you've put out? I haven't. I've kind of been afraid to. <laughs> one, of, one of these days, maybe I will just to get the full count. But, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things I haven't, I, I kind of enjoy, you know, doing shows like this and, and on the showrunner, it's been fun to kind of step back and look at some of the other shows because otherwise I'm just kind of like move forward. And it's like one episode's done, you know, let's move on to the next one. Um, and sometimes I, you know, I almost have to remember, Hey, I, you know, I recorded this episode two weeks ago, but it's going live today. You know, you got to be available to talk about it and remember to tweet it. Cause I'm always, you know, now thinking two episodes down the road. And so that's actually a bit of a challenge, um, to do that. 
but it's you know it's it I think you learn well especially if you're going to balance a lot of shows at once you kind of have to always be thinking ahead because the minute that you rest on your laurels you're going to miss a week and you're going to you know you're going to flop in front of your audience or you're going to you know go back on a promise that you made to them which you don't want to do so it's it's but it's like anything else it's like a balance you know you do want to balance looking forward with still being able to step back and learn from what you've done and kind of take it in that's why I'm really I'm really glad to have a show like the showrunner and to have the opportunity to do shows like this because it forces me to step back and look at it and analyze and always by the process of talking I learn I remember different lessons that I had forgotten or haven't thought about in a while and it always helps moving forward. So what do you think with all those episodes under your belt is your differentiating skill in either interviewing or in the way you 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 tackle production? I think I think my differentiator has always been and will always be bringing enthusiasm. You know, I may not always bring the best explanation to the table. Um, and, you know, so it may not always be the clearest explanation or, or, or any of that, but I think I'll always bring enthusiasm. And I think that enthusiasm also goes to preparing, you know, so when it's, you know, for an interview or for anything, um, and I, cause I think that enthusiasm is what, what, attracts people and what connects them to the shows that I do. And I always strive to make sure that they're informative and that they're educational or whatever, the, whatever someone's coming for. But the one thing that I feel like I can never fail my audience on is enthusiasm. I've got to bring that because it's what they expect and it's what they deserve. And so I, I to me, that's what the differentiator is. And I hope that I bring that to every episode. So when you think about the arc of your career and all the jobs you've had leading up to this point, mm-hmm. and you look back at where you were when you were younger, and is it are you surprised at where you're at now? Or do you feel like sort of the pieces have been falling into place because they've been naturally lending themselves to things that were inherent in you? That's a great question. I am surprised, and then I'm not. You know, I mean like when I was in college, right, when I was studying finance and real estate and entrepreneurship, I never would have thought that I would be doing this today. But then I look back on it and I remember back in high school when my silly friends and I would create these audio adventures, we'd write like little scripts and we'd have us and all of our friends like doing these wild and crazy things. And then we'd record it and we'd do all the voices and we're like imitating our friends and these really funny things. We still have them on a CD somewhere, (laughs) you know, like get together and every now and then listen to one and be thoroughly entertained, but then simultaneously embarrassed and just hope that these never get out. Sounds like podcasting. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, and it was, you know, and so you think about that and it's like, okay, so I've always, I've been drawn to doing this. And then, you know, Indiana basketball has been a lifelong passion. Now I have a show talking about that. And, you know, so, I mean, I guess on one hand I am surprised, but on the other hand, I'm not because it's, it's funny how just you know, when you, and I firmly believe this, when you bring enthusiasm to what you're doing every day, you're going to eventually end up in the spot that you're supposed to be in because you just, it just happens, you know? And so I, so I, I, I guess that whatever, like whatever this winding road has been, it's led me to where I am now. And I feel fulfilled with what I'm doing and I feel like I'm in the right place. So I never would have predicted this. And yet, <laughs> you know, you kind of look back on it and it's like, yeah, all right, this makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Um, do you maintain a relationship with any sort of mentor or someone that you, you continue to look to that keeps you uh, on top of your game or continues to inspire you? I mean, I'm, 
you know, one of the reasons why working for CopyBlogger Rainmaker Digital has been so great, especially for someone like me that when I joined in January of 2013, had not heard of CopyBlogger. Like I'd run a, you know, a successful blog, but it was all based on just kind of creating viral traffic and making money off of display ads. There was no build an email list. There was no build an audience. I knew none of that stuff. And, you know, so working with people like Sonia Simone and Robert Bruce and Damien Farnworth and Brian Clark, I mean, when you can actually work with the people who are your mentors, like that's a really special thing. And so, and I feel really, really lucky to be in that position. Chris Garrett, you know, is another one. And, and so I would say for me, those are the main people. And I think now that, you know, as I, you know, become more mature in the company and, and, and obviously have learned more. Now I'm, I'm, I'm kind of branching out more, you know, and learning from different sources and, and frankly being encouraged, uh, to do so. Um, and so, but you know, I can't, I can't stress enough how, you know, so much of what I say on the showrunner and so much of what has become my philosophy about building an audience is really just distilling all the lessons that I've learned from the people I've been lucky enough to work with. Yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, I know we could, Definitely keep on chatting about a bunch of other topics and a bunch of other questions <laughs> that, uh, that I have in my mind. But um, I'm wondering what is one of the most misunderstood things about you? One of the most misunderstood things. That's a boy. That's a really good question. I think um, I would say, it, you know, especially because you know, we try and go off the cuff so much on the showrunner and, and I've gotten to a level of comfort on shows where I like them to be spontaneous, uh, that I think it's misunderstood how much preparation goes into that. Um, and even a non-scripted show, you know, how often it's outlined and really thought through. And, you know, it's, it's one of the things like it, it takes effort to make it seem like there's no effort. Um, and, so I think I, I almost I kind of like that because I think okay I'm I'm actually I'm succeeding in what I'm trying to do, uh, but I don't I think that can be a bad thing too when you're trying to set to to use yourself as an example for what people can do and they think well I can't just get on the microphone and do that and I think well neither could I 500 episodes or if I didn't just spend an hour you know sitting down and preparing and really thinking about what I wanted to say beforehand and so I, I think that that sometimes gets misunderstood and, and every now and then it needs to be, uh, you know, explained just because you don't want people thinking that it's, you know, and shoot. And I really learned this when we were at our, uh, authority rainmaker event last year and Henry Rollins spoke. And if you've ever seen Henry Rollins speak, it is just, you know, hours, a couple hours of intensity, you know, and he gets up there there's no, there's nothing. There's no teleprompter. There's no slides. There's not even any movement. Like he plants his feet on the stage and then we'll just talk and tell stories for hours. And you know, I'm watching him and I'm thinking, man, he's just doing all of this from memory, you know, and he's just, he's doing all of this. And so I talked to him afterwards. And the one question I got to ask him was about his preparation, you know, and how does he deliver these stories so well? And they're so, they seem so well-structured. And yet there's nothing, it's all coming out of his mind. And he said, you know, I've just told them over and over and over again, you know, walking along Santa Monica Beach and pacing around in my hotel room, just practicing and telling them, he's like, you know, I, I knew what the audience was for this. 
you know, I have, obviously I know all of my different stories. You know, I, I kind of had an outline for which stories I wanted to tell and when, and then I just practice them over and over. And it's like, oh yeah, that's right. There is no magic for this. There's just preparation and enthusiasm. And if you bring that to it, hopefully you're going to create something good for an audience. So I think that, you know, I misunderstood that about him. I think sometimes, you know, people that we'll talk with on the showrunner misunderstand that about me. And it's important because I don't think anybody, maybe there are a few exceptions, but I don't think anybody is just going to magically be able to just create all this great content. You know, like you've, there's no substitute for experience and for hard work. Oof, that's a fantastic way to wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> Last uh, lighthearted question. You have a picture on Twitter of you on a mountain. I do. I do. <laughs> Where was that? That's in, that's in the Rocky Mountains. Okay. That was, man, when was that? That was probably, my dad's originally from Colorado. Okay. He grew up in Boulder, Colorado. And so we used to go out there maybe once a year. And, and I haven't been back as much as I like to actually do hiking. But yeah, that was, I don't know, it was probably 2002 or 2003, I think. And we hiked up to the top of this mountain. And I you know, went over there and was just kind of sitting. And I'd had a journal with me. And I'd been writing some stuff down in a journal. So I didn't even know that my dad was taking that picture. But I've always, I've always loved that picture. Because to me, like that picture is is a visual representation of primility because, you know, it was, I mean, it was a long hike, it, you know, it took us all day and it was kind of this off the beaten path part, you know, to where you probably shouldn't go. And it's, you know, you're climbing up some rocks and it's a little bit dangerous, but not too dangerous, but you still like you're up there and you feel this sense of accomplishment and the sense of pride, like I'm on top of the mountain, but then you look around you and there's all these mountains that are bigger. So it's like, you've got this pride, but here's this, you know, the humility is right there too, because yeah, like good for you, you climbed up to the top of this little mountain, but now look at what else mother nature has in store for you. So I've always like, whenever I look at that picture, that's what I think of. And actually for my dad's birthday, I mean, it was Christmas, like three or four years ago, I got that picture blown up and like, like one of those big successories, you know, oh, how they yeah. have the, the inspirational picture. And then there's like the quote, the, the, you know, word underneath it, like, or, you know, uh, you know, you'll always miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take something like that. And so I've got that picture with, uh, with primility and then, uh, you know, achieve anything you love and are capable of by balancing pride and humility underneath it. So I love, I love that picture. It, it, it's one of those pictures, you know, that it's not a thousand words, it's like a million words to me every time I look at it, just remembering kind of the moment of when, when it, when I, when I was there. Sounds like one of, that's one of the first products you can offer on the primility website. It's <laughs> a good idea. I didn't even think about that. That's a good idea. I have to ask my dad if it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jared, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Um, Me too. This what, is fun. What's the, the best place for folks to track you down? The best place, uh, Twitter's always good, at Jared Morris. And frankly, I love connecting with people via email. So if people ever want to want to shoot me an email, you can send it, jared at primility.com uh, or jared at copyblogger.com. Either one, it comes to the same place. So... Yeah, I'd love to connect that way too. Awesome. Well, thanks again, and I hope you have a fantastic week and keep up the uh, thoroughly engaging content that you're producing um, with all the podcasts, and I'm wishing you the best of luck. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. This has been fun. So I'm not going to ask if you enjoyed that. I know you did. There was so much information there that it was so much fun to listen to again, and it was a reminder of the actual conversation and how happy I was that uh, I had a chance to talk to Jared. Obviously, with the number of podcasts that he's producing and the fact that he's the host of The Showrunner and that he's has a ton of experience working with Copyblogger and Rainmaker, 
there's just so much insight that he provided and I'm really, really happy I got the chance to speak to him. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as well. I think he touched on a lot of topics that were interesting for me. He's obviously well-rounded and a student of the origins of words and that's why he took it upon himself to create this concept of primility, which is the combination of pride and humility, which I think we all could benefit from. And it's been one of my um, must-listen podcasts recently. They're really short episodes, so I recommend you check that out as well, because um, I think anything we can do to help balance pride with humility is a good thing in my mind. And so... There was some really good feedback for folks that are starting a podcast. Remember, everyone who thinks it's too late, uh, it's not. And if you need a reminder as to why, then go listen to the episode again. And I think it's important to think about why uh, or what it is about listening to podcasts or about having your own podcast that makes you happy. And keep that as your primary focus as you go through your day. Um, This is a long haul. And remember, it's about the journey, not about the destination. So please keep that in mind. And I'm glad we touched on that topic today. And if you get a chance, please listen to the showrunner or Primility Primer or uh, his other podcasts as well. We'll have them listed in the show notes. If you want all the details, go to podcastjunkies.com slash 58. I'd be interested to find out if uh, how many of you actually look at show notes. I, I like to have them as a reference point. I know, obviously, not everybody is going to check them out. But for me, it's an interesting way to document the conversation. And occasionally, I find myself taking a look at show notes from previous episodes. And it's it's a nice recap of the things we spoke about. And I think for future reference and, and in an effort to make the content evergreen, I think it's something that uh, I encourage podcasters to continue to do. And if only for the one or two people that go check it out, occasionally references will be made, show links will be mentioned, I'm sorry, uh, websites will be mentioned or books. And it's nice to have that as a, as a point to go back to and see what it is they were speaking uh, about. If you'd like to get signed up and be notified even sooner about episodes, then uh, you can do it a couple of different ways. The easiest one is if you're mobile, you can just text a message to 33444 with the word podcast junkies, all one word, and you'll be given the instructions for signing up. If you're near a computer, just head on over to podcastjunkies.com and we've got the sign up page front and center for you, uh, making it really easy for you to sign up and you'll get a free PDF as an added bonus. Um, I don't necessarily bombard folks with email, but occasionally when there's an event coming up or um, a recap of guests that have appeared on the show, for the most part, that's what I use it for. So check that out. And it's a way for me to continue to stay engaged with you. And it's appreciated when you sign up. Another way you can show appreciation is to support the show with a rating or a review. If you haven't done so already, then uh, take a couple of minutes to actually stop and go do that now because that's uh, a way to support the show if it's something you've been listening to on a regular basis and it doesn't cost you a thing. Although if you do have some spare change burning a hole in your pocket, Patreon is one way you can support the show. So head on over to patreon.com slash podcast junkies. Again, for uh, another opportunity for you to support what we do 
and what I do because it's what I love um, and I really enjoy going out of my way to try to find the most engaging guests to tell some stories that you may not have heard in other places and that's something that I'm going to keep on doing for you. So thanks again for listening and uh, musical credit once again goes to Cedar and Soil. Go to cedarsoil.com and listen to some of his, his fantastic other music that he's uh, created. I recently had the chance to catch up with um, George, who's uh, Cedar and Soil in uh, Brooklyn. We haven't seen each other in a while, and it was nice to get caught up. And as always, his uh, his taste in music is is, is something that I'm, I, I truly admire and respect. So if you're a musician and looking for some inspiration, go check that out. And last but not least, the listener retention hashtag is going to be Jared5. So G-E-R, I'm sorry, J-E-R-O-D for Jared Morris. Uh, and the number five. So Jared5, hashtag Jared5. And as a tribute to the number of podcasts that he produces and as an inspiration for you, if you haven't started yours, to get up off your butt and get moving. So thanks again, guys. Um, I really enjoy spending this time with you and uh, I look forward to catching up with you guys next week. Have a fantastic week and engage with us on social media and uh, I'll be sure to engage back. Take care.